Hey there, fitness enthusiasts and life learners. It's Diamond Well here, your guide on this 30-year journey through the wilds of health and wellness. Today, I'm absolutely stoked to welcome Tara Robertson to the 2% Solution Podcast. Tara is not only your everyday guest, but she's a powerhouse in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and she's here to shake up the way we think about life and values. Let's be honest. We've all been in those situations where our values and our actions didn't quite align. Like she was in a donut over a dumbbell, right? But Tara's here to show us how it's done, how to live a life true to our core values. And let me tell you, her journey is as inspiring as it is educational. From her days as an academic librarian to becoming a beacon in the DEI space, Tara's story is about transformation, empathy, and the power of staying curious. Get ready to be motivated, educated, and maybe even a little entertained as we dive into the secrets of aligning your life with your values and making an impact. Tara's energy is infectious as a laughter in a silent library, and her insights are as refreshing as a cold smoothie after a hot yoga session. So tighten those laces, grab your water bottle, and let's get ready to be inspired by the one and only Tara Robertson. This is an episode you will not want to miss. Tara, welcome to the 2% Solution Podcast. Yay, thank you. I, I feel like this has been a long time coming when it has. I think we booked in for this like two months ago. <laughs> and I know it's been, we just got through the holidays and then we're getting into the thick of the new year. And, and I've been really looking forward to this conversation, partially because I, I just really like you and I'm fascinated by you and your story. But I also think it's such a neat story of not only transformation and progression, but, but the power of knowing your values and what that can do for you when you really truly align your life to your values. I think you're a wonderful example of that. So we're going to get into that. And you've had a pretty unique journey, you know, from academic librarian to a leader in diversity, equity, inclusion, and now coaching. Can you walk us through that? I know that's a pretty big story arc, but give us sort of the, the nuts and bolts of how did that even come about? So... First of all, thanks. I'm so excited to chat with you. I became a librarian because I care about access to information. The public library is one of the few places in society where anyone can walk in and access information. Uh, some people are like, oh, like you became a librarian because you love books. And not really. That was my why. So I worked, I never actually worked in public libraries as a librarian, but I worked to increase access to information in different academic libraries and running an accessibility organization that took print textbooks and put them into digital formats for students who had disabilities. So it's all about access for me. When the job at Mozilla came up, so Mozilla is the tech company that makes the web browser Firefox. They're owned by a nonprofit who has the, the mission to keep the internet open and accessible for all. So that access piece and access to information it's exactly the same why. So I kind of leapt into that role and got to do diversity, equity, and inclusion globally for a tech company that had staff in 16 countries. So I was learning a ton and working with really smart, kind people. And then I kind of moved into doing my own thing, working as a consultant, working with different companies and organizations, getting their strategy dialed in for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then I had a coaching. So it's all about, I think, a love for people, curiosity, and I really care about fairness and inclusion. Mm. And actually, do you mind just expanding, like for, for some of the listeners out there that maybe aren't as aware 
as just even these terms and what they mean in context to what we're talking about today. Can you give a general, just a, a, an overview or an understanding of what we're meaning by this and, and actually what your mission is and how, how you're showing up to actually enact this mission? Because I know you've, I get to follow you on LinkedIn. And if, hey, if you don't follow Tara on LinkedIn, you got to follow her. That's super entertaining. There's some great posts, but also some very thought-provoking posts. And, and I, I really do appreciate that. And you can see by the engagement she gets, they're great conversation starters. <laughs> so do you mind just expanding on that for the listeners? Sure. So diversity is like who is in the room. And when I say who, I think about demographics, like what genders are represented, what racial backgrounds, what religions, what ages, what sexualities, what people with disabilities or people without disabilities, education backgrounds, class backgrounds, like all of the different kind of dimensions that make us interesting and unique and different. So having all that difference in the room, it's just the world, but it's also richer. We have different perspectives. We also have some more conflict, but it's, it's a much richer way to kind of be and to be in community. And for companies, like if you're serving like the population, if you're trying to build a service or a product to serve people across Canada or the world, there's so many different kinds of people. And if we don't have that diversity represented internally, like we're going we're gonna to miss the mark. Yeah. And inclusion I, is like the culture. So it's funny. I, I met you at the CrossFit gym and you were the first yeah. coach we had. I was so scared to walk in there. <laughs> I had all these stories about what the gym was going to be and not be. And it's funny. The, it's a very, very inclusive space. Mm. there's a sticker on the door that says, you know, all it's got a rainbow. It's all genders and sexualities welcome or something. You can put a sticker on the door, but that feeling that people are safe, welcome and belong that really exists at the gym. And it's about how people treat each other, how we behave with each other kind of day to day. And also like when things aren't so great, you know, like when you bump into someone or someone takes the thing that you need, like, how we are with each other in those moments too. Well, and it's interesting because I, I, and it's like, I know you sort of describe yourself this way, but I, I can say like, no, she, she is this way, you know? And, and what I'm meaning by that is, it, you know, massive energy. Hello. <laughs> but also being extremely results driven. And I can imagine the types of conversations that you're fielding or, or facilitating. I mean, Energetically speaking, they must be extremely challenging at times. And, and I'm curious, how do, how do you manage some of the conflict or some of the, I guess we could call it red tape in certain instances and some of that emotions, you, you know, because I, I, you always seem just so collected, you know, and, but and, and logically sound. And I, what I mean by that is I don't think you ever, you're very passionate, big energy, but there's thoughts behind that. I don't get the feeling like it's, it's just, you know, at my, sometimes I'm, I, a CrossFit guy in me, right? I'm just like, yeah, we're doing burpees. burpees. I don't want to do burpees, you know? <laughs> I'm just trying to fake it till I make it, make, convince myself I like them. But I, I see that authenticity in the way that you show up. So if, if you can speak to that, like, how do you manage that? Because I think a lot of people find ourselves in these situations. And, and I know I've had some challenging conversations in the past with, with my, my former business I was in and just, you know, some people not feeling welcome. And then having to deal with those challenges when they were brought up, they weren't easy. 
And, and thankfully there's facilitators like yourself to help with that. I, I, I could have really used that, you know, a decade ago when I was dealing with some HR challenges in my former company, you know? So if you don't mind, sorry, that's a long-winded question, but did, did you understand what I was sort of asking? Does that make sense? How do we, like, like how do you manage the energy piece yeah, and, and, and sort of the, the, the conflict piece, especially because you're going into organizations and I imagine sometimes there's a, well, let's just say it's a bit of an uphill battle because you're probably trying to change either some pre-existing dogma or some former sort of culture, even though it wasn't as inclusive, but it's still... It's been the way that's always been. So you're coming in there to say, no, things got to change. And you've got people here that want to see the changes. And, and I can just imagine there's a lot of emotions involved in some differing points of view. So I'm just curious, how do you manage that, but also protect yourself and your own energy? It's funny, a whole bunch. I wish I had a quick yeah. sound, but a whole bunch of things are swirling around. So I'm just going to pop them off. So one of just them, go. I think, yeah. is like naming it. And I, I've become a lot more comfortable doing this as a coach as my skills have a, have deepened as a coach i'm more comfortable just naming something like without trying to fix it or without being right sometimes it's kind of like well, not, if you walk I, into, I'm, sorry go ahead go ahead sorry off no i'm just gonna say could you give an example of that i'd love to hear how does that show up because I'm, I'm struggling right now trying to imagine a spot for myself like that yeah you know when you walk into a room and you smell a fart <laughs> yes and you're like and a lot of people will politely not say anything and you can be like something smells in here can i go up on the window so it's feeling that out or feeling the elephant in the room and naming it and just saying hmm there seems to be a lot of or we we seem to not be talking about racism let's go there or Wow, this one leader speaks and then nobody contradicts them. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. How does that land with you? So I'm not trying to be right and say this is what's going on, but mm-hmm. kind of I am an instrument to be like, I don't feel right. Something's uncomfortable for me. Or and a lot of it is tuning into my body. Ooh, I feel like a little afraid in here. What's going on? I'm not generally afraid. So if I'm in a in a meeting and then all of a sudden I'm feeling scared to speak what's going on for everyone else so it's naming those things and naming them without trying to be right and then using that as a way to kind of surface things like that's not going to work all the time but that's I think a lot of what I do these days it's uh well you know I've got some other questions but uh, I know, but for the sake of today's show, I know we've talked about the value piece and, and, and I, I think a lot of what we're talking about, obviously there's, there's a lot of values, especially values that you hold near and dear that help direct you and uh, allow you to, to, to constantly show up with that certain level of confidence. I mean, when you know your worth, but you also know what you stand for, it's a lot easier to, to plant a flag every day and say, this is what I'm here for. And you, you mentioned or hinted at there was a significant shift in your life when you identified or as you, you uh, use your own term, like named your values, you know, and really own those. Would you talk a bit about that or like how it changed the direction, but also some of your decisions? Because I, I imagine this also is going to give more context to the yeah. previous conversation. I probably should have started with that one. But anyways, let's, let's just talk about it. I'm just thinking of how it connects to that example. Fairness is one of my values. And speaking up for the underdog is one of my values. So if I'm in a situation, especially where I'm being a paid expert, and I don't do that, 
I don't feel good at the end of the day. I'm ruminating about things. I feel like I haven't shown up in the way that I can professionally. And I've also, I also feel like I've let other people down. So now that I know that one of my values is fairness or justice or speaking up when something's not right, it's also my value of integrity. When I have that discomfort in the moment, because it's not comfortable. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you and I do things that are not comfortable all the time. We can do hard things. And by doing them, we get better at them. doesn't make them less hard, but it builds our capacity to do it. So in those moments where I'm like, oh, no, like, I need to say a hard truth. Mm. Sometimes I look to my values and be like, integrity is one of my values. So I need to walk my talk. Or speaking the truth is one of my values, especially when it's hard. So it's like, okay, I have a choice now. I can be on this ledge of like, oh, this is hard, but and this is in alignment with what's important to me. I'm gonna feel good at the end of the day, and I'm not gonna be ruminating if I if I operate according to my values. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. Like complete sense. I mean, one of my core values is family. And it ultimately, you know, eight years ago when I left a career 17 years, it was a big driving force for that, you know, because I just felt misaligned with family. And I felt that I couldn't find that alignment on that career path, you know? And so it came, I made a decision to believe that, you know, make a change. And, you know, it was scary, intimidating. But, you know, what was worse was the idea of that family value further eroding by me compromising for a career and a paycheck, you know? And uh, that right was Right now, really, mm. on a scale of one to 10, how well are you honoring your value of family? It probably, well, it's funny now being empty nesters and not having the kids around as much. I feel weird, you know, like it's been a weird transitionary season, if you will. I like to think I'm like an eight or nine. I always, I'll never give myself a 10 because there's always room for improvement. You know, I, I, as of late, because they, they just don't keep me as much. So I feel like I'm not getting the opportunity, but they know we're there. And the fact that, you know, my daughter went through a breakup recently and, you know, she reached out to her, both my wife and I, you know, to talk about that, that just, Knowing that when they do find themselves in tough situations or unique situations that they haven't been before, they do come to us for counsel, you know, and that makes me feel good, you know, knowing that I, I can help them when they're ready to ask for help. So uh, I guess I'll say eight. I'll say an eight, Tara. Okay. What's something that you could do today to make it a nine? You know, having a good FaceTime with my youngest, I think that would be a, a big one for her. You know, she's at UVic and I know she's not feeling well right now. She's got a bit of a flu, which is just awful. You know, just back to school this week and already, you know, dealing with being stuck in bed. So I think that would be a, a great way to, to just, because she wouldn't be expecting that as well, you know? So, okay, there. I'm going to go make a nine after this. So uh, I but, feel that in my heart. Like I can feel your value uh, and like just looking at your face and your body language how important mm-hmm. your family is to you and thinking mm-hmm. about honoring that today and how you lit up. Like, yeah, I'm here for that. I can see how you do it. I got to ask you, so where does empathy come into this whole conversation or lack thereof? Like, Because I think empathy is just a, I mean, do we classify that as a value? Can empathy be a value or is it more of a, a mental state, you know, or, and I'm just wondering how does that play into this? Because I would, I would presume that in your line of work, empathy is very important. 
you know, that, maybe that's just a, a, a false presumption on my part, but I was wondering if you could maybe speak to the empathy piece, because I believe that with more empathy in the world, we, we might find that things are very different than they are currently, you know? And, and I'm just curious about your thoughts, especially based on the conversation that we're having today, you know? It's funny. Empathy is important to me, but I, what the word that comes to mind is curiosity. I'm like, I, people are fast. Um, and you don't know people's story when you meet them and you don't know their story and what they're going through day to day. Like, unless you're curious, unless there's trust and they're going to share it. But for me, it's more about curiosity than empathy. I don't know why. I think. Hmm. Curiosity is something I can connect to my behavior more. Empathy feel like and empathy is important, but it feels a little more like amorphous and like mm. weird shape. But empathy or curiosity, I'm like, oh, I can ask questions or I can observe or there's things that I can actively do to be curious, mm. to actively be empathetic. I think I would connect with my heart. Yeah, and it's it's easier for me to think like, how do I want to behave and interact with someone? Curiosity is a, a, a clear one for me. What about you? Well, I, I think empathy has served me well, and just more so. I think it's also created temperance, but also patience. You know, like it's I do recognize that some of the modeling that I had growing up, you know, and, and mentorship or lack thereof, I should say especially in my twenties, you, you know, I found myself picking up with the people that I was associating with at that time. And, you know, uh, I just started to adopt a lot of the beliefs that they had, you know, mm. and, and, and it was really weird because I didn't deep down like instinctually, it just conflicted with how I was raised and my values. And, and yet, you know, it was at that time when I really started drinking quite heavily. And, and so, you know, you sort of just drink your way through that uncomfortableness. At least that's what I was doing. Right. But when I really gave up the alcohol and started to, to, to just be open to being, you know, receiving hard questions and actually being open to talk them through or spend some time introspecting and reflecting, you know, it, it was life-changing. It really was. But that ability to, to see myself in someone else's shoes really became something that I valued from the standpoint, what you said, you know, we just don't know where people are at or what's happened. You know, you have that one quick interaction with them, but we have no idea what happened the hours leading up to that interaction. Right. And, and before I'd be very bombastic, to be honest with you, Tara, where I'd just fly off the coop, you know, on the smallest of things. And I saw myself do that with family as well. You know, that, that short fuse. And I didn't like that about myself, you know? So I, I found me that too. empathy has been something that's helped me with that. Oh, really? You too. <laughs> And judgment is something that I'm working on. I think it's going to be a lifelong thing for me. I'm very curious. I'm very empathetic. And I'm also really judgmental. And one of my coaches was like, how's that serving you? And I was like, oh, fuck you, Edwin. Like, uh, so, so how do you know. work on that? I'm just curious. Like, what, what do you do yourself to work on that? That to be more mindful and aware of, of because the judgment piece, I mean, Let's be honest, we're, we're hit with 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day in these little noggins of ours. And, and with the amount of data that we have to process, we have to be able to judge things quickly to sort. But it's being mindful of when's the default settings 
creating strife or or maybe conflicting with certain values. And I, I think that's that subconscious bias sometimes, right? And anyways, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you actually work with this. Or more importantly, how do you help people other than yourself work on this? You know, because I'd like to know selfishly for myself, and I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this, like, how, how can I be less judgmental? Whew. For me, it's been a noticing practice. So like, when am I judgmental? What's going on? And trying to notice the judgment without judgment instead God. of being, oh, I'm being judgmental. Oh, I'm an awful person. Oh, like doing it again. <laughs> and just saying, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, okay. that's happening. And just noticing it. Like kind of as the, the thoughts float in, they float out. And it's like, hmm. What's the pattern here? Like, where am I judgmental? Am I judgmental when I'm tired? Am I judgmental when I'm around people who aren't like me? Am I judgmental on days where I'm not feeling super great about myself? Like, what, what's the pattern? And being curious about that. Then there's the, the compassion piece. Like, I'm being, okay, like, that, that's a human thing. And how's it serving me? What's it getting in the way of? Yeah. It's tough. I, I, like it's we're human, I, I we're messy, we're judgmental, and yeah. we can change. That's that's the one right there, you know. And 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 as long as people believe in themselves that they can change, right? Like it's I think it's one of those things, yeah, yeah, you can change. I've had the people literally have that conversation, right? It's like, yeah, you can change, or change is easy for you. I'm like, well, first of all, you gotta start with believing that you can change. You know, yeah. let's get to that core belief first, you know, and we'll worry about the rest later. But I, I know that you, when speaking of change, is this something that you, you support your clients with now, especially in the coaching side of your practice. And, and I know that you represent under, underrepresented leaders, especially. So what are some of the common challenges you see coming up for them? And, and how do you help them navigate that? I, I'm like really curious about this, you know? It's funny, boundaries and work-life balance seem to be a big thing. And I think it's a big thing for everyone. Um, but when you've been told you need to do twice as much to get half, or be twice as good to get half as much, there's this constant overperforming and level of perfectionism and level of like overperformance that's it's really not healthy. Where you, you're out of choice and like I'm choosing to go 110% on this project because it's important to me where you're doing that for everything, also to prove yourself. So it's kind of connecting clients back to themselves, like what's important to them and values as part of that. And knowing some of, there's a lot of research that shows certain patterns in the workplace and surfacing it and being like, so how do you want to be with that? There are times where we do need to absolutely knock it out of the park, being at choice and be like, yes, this presentation, I absolutely want to crush. Great. But if you're on autopilot being like, I'm not good enough. I need to over-deliver, over-deliver. That's not a great way to be. And I, I absolutely did it in my career. When I was in tech, I was traveling once a month at least because we were dealing with so many time zones. I was working minimum 60-hour weeks. My sleep suffered. My relationships suffered. My health suffered. And I was absolutely getting accolades at work. It's, oh, you're crushing it. You're doing this. Like, and people were also like, oh, the, the work you're doing or you listening to me or helping me see this, like, it means so much. And serving people is important for me, but it got out of balance. 
So, mm. yeah. Can, can you talk about how you created a boundary around there or reestablished a boundary, I guess is probably what you ended up doing. And then, but, but honoring a boundary, <laughs> I always find setting one and then keeping one. Two very different ideas, right? In action. So I, I, I'd love to hear how you, because I, I myself, just so you're aware, last year, that was a big thing. I was trying to create more boundaries. Some areas I was good. Some areas, well, let's just say I'm going to keep on focusing on that this year, you know? So especially around work, I, I know that I, I, at times will just go all in because I have a lot of fun doing what I do and it will create neglect in other areas that I should probably be focusing on. Right. So I can appreciate that lack of harmony, you know, between some of those polls. So I'd love to hear about what's been working for for you or, or any client examples that you have as well with how you can help people sort of navigate some of these big changes in their lives. Cause I, I mean, it's it, systemic change is slow, right? It's a slow process. And I know you do tons of advocacy work. So, you know, let's switch gears. I, I love to hear specifically about you, Tara, like what, you yeah. know, what, what are you advocating, but also how do you maintain the boundaries to keep yourself in a positive place? Because I know some of the work that you do, it's not easy work. It's, it's important work. Very important work, but I can imagine this also requires a lot of energy. And so how do you maintain your energy as this amazing thought leader and change maker? And uh, I'd also like to give you this platform to also speak to some of the things that you're advocating for. Yeah. So I realized my boundaries were way out of whack when I was crushing it at work, but I wasn't having much fun at life. Mm. So actually, that was the first time I hired a coach and I was like, the the theme was like I want to recalibrate my funnel meter. Haha, I like. And that. it was like I like that. First of all, understanding what my baseline was, I'm like I feel kind of dead. Like I don't feel alive. What is fun? I don't even know anymore. So, figuring that out, and then figuring out what I was saying yes to, like saying yes to being in town. For the days that I had swim practice or whatever, which was important to me, both for a sense of like social connection, physical exercise, which is the foundation of my mental health, being in town for important friends' birthdays, making those the things I was saying hell yes to. So then if, oh, we need you to be here, I'm sorry, no, I'm busy that weekend or I can't travel that weekend because I had no boundaries on what I was saying no to with work. And I was really like excelling at work and I just was not having a very fun life. So I think people often think about boundaries as what you're saying no to. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, but it's also what you're saying yes to. What is the hell yes? So then what do you need to say no to? To keep space for that yes. Yes. What is your hell yes for this year? Oh, the podcast, really. It's a big hell yes for me. And it just feels so aligned with everything that I've been doing the last 15 years. It feels like this has been that, that, that little piece that was missing for my day to day. And so it's, it's a hell yes. And I just want to serve and impact as many people as I can in 2024 with, with this medium. So that's my. Well, and you're crushing it. I want to well, celebrate you. you from seeing like you're like the first 500 listeners, the first thousand. Yeah. And how many now? How many wow. downloads? As of this morning, we just surpassed 10,000 downloads. So, uh, yeah. 11. That's amazing. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Tara. It's because of the support of people like you and this amazing community that I, I, I feel very grateful to, to, to have an ability to, to support, you know. And, so then uh, what are you saying no to? Well, I, I realized that I was saying yes to a lot of things that were, were time resource heavy, but didn't really have an ROI. You know, like there was no ROI and, and to be fair, and I've spoken openly about this, you know, as, as a morbidly obese teenager, I dealt with a lot of mental health issues and I was starving for validation and, and acknowledgement and just people to see me, you know, and that was a big thing that was fueling me wanting to make that physical transformation. And I, I, I was seeking validation, you know, like just constantly, a lot of people pleasing. I just wanted people to like me, but I believe that people wouldn't like me unless I looked a certain way you know, acted a certain way. And pretty soon I believed that alcohol would allow me to be that person that they would like. And, and, you know, sort of, sort of in this downward spiral. But what I realized was there's still that piece of me, people pleaser. And, and I'm very quick to say yes to things that aren't truly aligned with some of my goals, my visions, and some of my aspirations. And so my, my hell no now is, is I'm actually being much more selective with where I say yes, specifically around things that require me to show up, be present and to give a lot of energy. <laughs> so like speaking events and whatnot. So I am, I'm, I've been really good the last six months at guarding some of that energy, you know? So, but it's sometimes it feels like it's a maybe not a, a no or a yes, you know? So, and I know that maybe is, oh my gosh, the worst, <laughs> but I, I still find myself sometimes wanting to say no or wanting to say yes, but, but holding back you know? And I, I don't want to have any of the gray area anymore. I want to be able to make decisions quickly. I, I know that serves me better. So I'm but, hearing um, how yes to the podcast is yeah. also yes to discernment, yes to focus. Mm. And yes. no to people pleasing and no to maybe. I would say so. You know, I, I'd say that's a very astute observation and and i i like how you just helped me reframe that <laughs> you're really good at doing what you do tara i i could tell that already can, can you actually i i want to create some space right now for you to talk about this activity that i know you've prepared for the listeners because a lot of what we've been talking about today talks about values understanding yeah. these values and, and would you mind just sort of giving us a quick overview like what is truly a core value or you know sometimes we hear that because we can have lots of different values but i know there's usually a dominant set of values that we prioritize over all else. And, uh, and I'm curious if maybe you can share a little bit about what people can do to get the clarity, but also what would be the activity that you would invite them to do yeah. to, to dial in their value system, but also to put them into better action. So when we think about our values, often people think of those posters with lots of words, like that works for some people. It didn't really work for me. When we live in alignment with our values, we feel on purpose, we feel in flow, we feel aligned, we feel fulfilled. And when we don't live in alignment with our values or dishonor our values ourselves or continue to choose to be in environments where our values get dishonored, we get pissed off, frustrated, angry, tired, and we burn out. So understanding our values it's kind of a lens to make everyday decisions in your life and work so that you are living a fulfilled life. So that's my 2% solution kind of tip is like when you're pissed off about something, a value is getting stepped on. 
So name it. And then you've got that information. What decision do you need to make to honor that value? So can you tell me about a time that in the last week where you've just been like, irritated or pissed off? Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what? It, it's, and it's going to make me sound like a little bit weird, but I don't like rudeness. I don't like people that are rude, you know, and I like to always give thanks and show appreciation, especially when people do cool things or do something that's very helpful, supportive. And I guess there's something in me that expects others to do that too. <laughs> you know, and I know this is a challenge, right? Because I'm trying to force my beliefs on somebody else. But there was an incident where I was just helping a person out. You know, like with with their groceries getting into the door, you know, obviously then Costco order. I live in a condo, so it can be problematic at times to try to get stuff to unload. And there was no thank you. Nothing. Like like I could see they were struggling. I helped them and and it's okay. Well, and, you know, really positive about it all, but just there was no appreciation shown. And I was just like, I was like, no, that's wrong. And I just found myself feeling really, you talked about rumination aspect. I found myself thinking about it a lot after the fact, like how ticked off I was. Yeah. And even beating myself up because I'm like, well, I shouldn't have helped them. And I'm like, that's just not me though. I still want to help them. But, and I started to feel bad that I I should be able to help people without the expectation of someone saying, thank you. And and so I found myself getting this bit of a loop in my mind. (laughs) So I I don't know what your thoughts on that. I'm hearing being helpful is a value of yours. So. You're like, I'm seeing someone struggling with the door. I can help. I'm going to help. That's just who you are. The rudeness, is that about respect or is that about acknowledgement? Or something else? That's really actually. Or is it about being. I think respect's a big one for me, you know, but I guess it's, but it does involve the acknowledgement. I sort of put the two hand in hand, which is interesting. You know, like I, I just figure if you acknowledge somebody and you're polite about it and just i mean we're all human beings and i think we want to be seen on some level at least acknowledged just be respectful and be courteous and i mean you just i mean we're human beings man we're emotional people (laughs) connections good right but i I don't know yeah being seen heard and respected is important to you yeah it is yes and that's the value what's the word that you would use to describe what what got stepped on when that person Received your help and didn't acknowledge it. Yeah, disrespect, I think, would be the, yeah. So you know what, you're right. Value. Hmm. You can hit this. We're going to have an activity for everybody to do this. And Tara's been so generous to, to provide some of the tools that she uses with her clients and supports their clients with figuring this stuff out. Because knowing what those most important values are, are extremely clarifying, but it also gives you little insights to your subconscious. Because sometimes it's autopilot, right? I, I imagine you would believe that too, Tari, where we've got certain beliefs that are hardwired in. And those beliefs that we've had since we were kids, especially those values that we prioritize, it's amazing how they do drive us a lot of the time, don't they? Also, this is something useful you can do as a parent or a partner or a friend. Like we're yes. often in conversations where people are unloading about, oh, that thing that really happened. And can you believe she said this and it pissed me off? So listen, and you don't know, throw them out. But, but, that person has had one of their values stepped on. Mm. Share this framework with them and, and try and together figure out what that value is. Because once you understand why something pissed you off or just didn't feel right, 
it's much easier to make better decisions in the future that are going to support your values. It's gold. Thank you. Thank you. So good. And listen, I want to acknowledge you as well. So Tara and her partner, Carolyn, have been coming in to the CrossFit gym now for two months, right? Is it two months now or two and a half months? Is that four months? Okay. It just just goes to show you I've got dad brain. Four months. Everything's just a blur. And it's just, you are such a wonderful energy. Like just every time smiling into it, didn't matter what was on the board, you're fired up and you're doing it. And I just got to commend you, but I know you've experienced this transformative sort of energy that comes when we sort of reconnect their own health, but also the actions we can take to reinforce that health. And I, and have you seen how, how has that influenced other areas of your life? I'm just really curious. In the last four months, have you noticed some big shifts in other areas as a direct correlation to, to that decision to, you know, reclaim your health? Every area. Sleeping better, less stressed out. Like you said, I, I have a lot of difficult conversations in my work. Much better resource. Much more connected to my body and embodied. Much So I'm more attuned to when my spidey senses are going off. <laughs> it's good to be hungry and to be like, oh, like I'm so hungry right now. I feel alive. Also, just meeting some of the greatest people I wouldn't have crossed paths with. And yeah. yeah, it's it's transformed every area. Such a good thing in my life. Uh, well, I got to say the the culture and just the, the camaraderie and energy in the gym. Uh, you have a very noticeable presence and, and I feel very grateful to know you, but also even more grateful. I had an opportunity to have you here today to show everybody what I get to deal with in the gym every day. And I love it. And, you know, b- before we go today, and, and I'd love to be able to have you back in the future. And hopefully you, you'll agree to that. Just sort of putting on the record right now. But because I know there's so many different hell areas yeah. that you can also add value. Oh, yeah, hell yes. Okay. But I'd like to give you the last word. And if, if, if you could give the listeners one piece of advice, you know, to begin aligning actions with values, what, what would that piece of advice be? So. On a piece of paper, write down one of your values and it could be something that you know that's really important or it could be one of those ones that you've discovered because it got stepped on. Like I did with die, give it a score out, out of one to ten. Maybe it's a six, maybe it's four and a half, maybe, maybe it's a nine. No judgment. Think about what you can do to boost your score by one point and make that action item in the next three days. And then Chances are you'll be living a more aligned life and you'll feel more fulfilled. And I want that for you. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I am so grateful that you came on today. So I, I have to just acknowledge you and thank you for, for all the wonderful insights. I know we barely scratched the surface of a lot of your story and your journey. And more importantly, the wisdom that you've gained in this beautiful life of yours. So I know we're going to have to have you back. But, but also just... Thank you just for being you. I, I've, I've already found myself around this conversation and around inclusion, diversity, equity. To be fair, it's not something I've put a lot of stock into unless it comes up in my day-to-day, but it doesn't necessarily come up in my day-to-day. You know, I'm a solo entrepreneur. I work by myself, you know, and I like to think I'm open-minded to all these things, but 
you know, in following your content online, I've started to look at my own choices and actions and even some of my belief patterns. I'm just more aware. And I just want to say thank you for that awareness and for the, the way that you deliver your content is very, I don't find it very confrontational, you know, to be honest, because I, I know and it's probably the style of your coaching style as well. You, you are asking questions rather than sharing assumptions, you know, and, and I appreciate that. And so I just want to say thank you for being here today. Thank you. And I'm going to acknowledge you before we hang up. You also, I think we both have pretty big energy. You show up. Like when you're coaching, you show up 100%. And you show up every day. And you show up. And you're phenomenal. Your encouragement and just who you are. Like who you are in the world makes the world a better place. And I feel so grateful that our paths crossed. And I'm getting a little choked up. Me too. (laughs) I see you. I appreciate you. And this has just been a delight. Thank you, Diane. And that's a wrap on this insightful episode with Tara Robertson. And I've been thrilled to take you on this deep dive into diversity, equity, and inclusion. We've unpacked Tara's incredible journey and her transformative approach to living a life that's true to your values. We've explored how this applies not just professionally, but personally, enriching every aspect of our lives. To keep this learning journey going, I encourage you to connect with Tara online, follow her on social media, and delve into her blog for ongoing insights. For those of you looking to further explore diversity, equity, and inclusion in your personal and professional lives, check out resources like DEI workshops, online courses, and books recommended by experts in the field. Remember, It's about making those small, consistent choices that align with your deepest beliefs and values. Share this episode if it resonated with you, and don't forget to leave us a review. Your feedback helps us continue delivering content that makes a difference. Until next time, stay curious, stay inspired, and keep making those positive changes in your world. Here's to living a life aligned with your values.